<laughs> John chapter 10, verse 1. John chapter 10, verse 1. We're going to begin reading this morning, continuing a series entitled, I Am. Who is Jesus really? And how does who he is affect our life? I'm excited about the word for you today. I'm, I'm excited about this series and what uh, God has been teaching each and every one of us, has been showing us in his word. Have you been enjoying this series so far? Yeah. Amen. Uh, if you haven't been a part of it, you can go and get the podcast or you can get a CD, uh, however you want to do that, and, and catch up so many great things that we miss when we just read the words of Jesus and we don't understand the full context of what he's saying to us and where he is when he's saying it and why he's saying it. Jesus was an incredible communicator. He used so many illustrations. He so, used so many parables. But if we don't understand the culture in which Jesus lived, we will miss so much of what Jesus said. And so that's what we're doing in this series as we discuss the seven I am statements that Christ made in the book of John. Today we're going to cover two of those. If you're in John chapter 10, verse 1, would you say amen? amen? Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. They will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Skipping down to verse 7. Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Here's the first statement, one of the two statements that we're going to cover today. I am, ego in me in the Greek. I am the door of the sheep. Verse 11. I am the good shepherd, second phrase that we're going to cover today. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Can you say amen to the reading of the word? Thank you for allowing me to be in Mid-County last week. I had a wonderful time uh, being with those, our congregation there at our other campus. I trust that you enjoyed the ministry of Pastor Jim Kyles, our executive pastor from Sugarland. Um, I will be out, I'll, actually I'll be here for the next few weeks, uh, I think I'm not, I'm not gone until later, later in the month of April, so I look forward to what God is doing in this house and speaking to you, fin- concluding this series next week on Easter Sunday and then the Sunday after Easter, we're going to begin a new series entitled Sunday School Stories. Sunday School Stories. And we're going to take a look at some of the old st- stories that many of us studied as we walked through Sunday School. And we're going to ask these questions. What does this story tell us about the nature of God? And then how can we apply it to our life? It's going to be a wonderful time. I know you're going to enjoy it as we take a look back. Is that okay? We'll talk a little bit more about that next week. John chapter 10. Jesus makes two very interesting statements that at first seem to be at odds why he can make them both in the same story, in the same conversation. He says, I am the door of the sheep. So he says, I'm the door. I'm the gate. I'm how you get in or go out. I'm the thing that allows certain things in and other things to not come in. I, I am the door. But then just a few moments later, he says, I am the good shepherd. 
Well, this seems to make no sense to me because, you know, you can only be one person in the story, right? You can't be everybody in the story. I know you're Jesus and everything, but you can't be all the players in the story, can you, Jesus? When I think about my son, who's four and a half years old, he told me the other day, he said, he said, Dad, I want to be the red Power Ranger and I want to be a Jedi, the, the one with the blue uh, lightsaber, not the green lightsaber, because he died and they burned his body. So he doesn't want to be that one. <laughs> uh, and then he said, I want to be a football player, I want to be a baseball player, and I want to be a preacher. And I thought to myself, well, can you leave something for the rest of us? <laughs> you can't be everything, son. And yet Jesus says, I am the door and I am the shepherd. What are you talking about, Jesus? How does this help us? How does this apply to us? Well, Jesus is painting a picture here and he's telling a story using an illustration of words to paint a picture for all of the people he was speaking to that they all understood, but if we don't understand their culture, we'll miss some of it. Because Jesus was talking about two different sheepfolds. A sheepfold is the pasture or the area where sheep were kept. It's the enclosure where sheep would go in and stay safe. The first enclosure, the first sheepfold, was, called, was an in-town sheepfold. When you came into a town in those days, a city, Jerusalem, Nazareth, Capernaum, uh, any of these cities, you would go in and there was often one common sheepfold. So let's say the sheepfold was about the size of this sanctuary here. It's a pasture with walls going up all the way around. Grass is growing, water comes in. And there's only one entrance and exit. And so if I drive my 10 or 12 sheep into the city and I bring them with me and I'm going to stay in the city for a few days, I need to handle some business, maybe I'm coming to celebrate a feast or whatever I'm doing there, I would come up to the sheepfold and I would speak to the gatekeeper and I would say, gatekeeper, I want to drop off my sheep here, I want to leave them here and I want... I want you to take care of them for me while I go and handle my business. I'll be a day or a week or a few hours or however long. And he would say, okay, and I would pay him my money. He would count the sheep. Then he would open the gate and he would allow the sheep to go in. The interesting that would happen here, the interesting thing that would happen here is that my sheep would get mixed in all together with everybody else's sheep. It's not like there was a stall where my 12 sheep would go sit in the stall and wait for me to come back. No, no, they just let them all run. And so in this room, if you can imagine this being our sheepfold, now my 12 sheep are, missing, are, are mixing with your eight sheep and someone else's 22 sheep, and they're all mixing together, and they're eating, and they're bang, and they're whatever sheep do to have a good time, that's what they're doing. They're just all mixing around in there. I conclude my business, however long I'm going to be there, I come back to the gatekeeper. I said, gatekeeper, do you remember me? Yes, I remember you. You're the shepherd who brought 12 sheep. Yes, that's me. Make sure my bill is settled. He opens the gate and I walk in. Now I have a problem. There's 175 sheep out here. How do I pick out mine? I'm not an expert sheep herder, but, uh, you know, they all tend to look alike to me. So how do I pick mine out? Here's how you do it. Every shepherd had a unique call, a unique tone to his voice, a unique way of calling his sheep. So he would stand there at the edge of the gate, the gatekeeper behind him, and he would make his sound, and only his sheep would come out and start walking to him. 
This is pretty amazing. Animals have a way of doing this. Um, when I was about 11 years old, I, my family and I moved out to the ranch where my parents built their uh, dream home and their retirement home there. And uh, We started with about 40 acres. Now my dad has about 100 acres or so out there. And he's had horses and cows and uh, donkeys live out there. We had one big fat turkey live out there. The coyotes ate him. He didn't last long. Uh, <laughs> We had chickens. We had all kind of crazy things out there. Um, it, it's been it's been quite a quite a ride. But there's very something. My, my dad loves horses, and so that's one of the reasons we moved out there. Is he wanted to raise horses and uh, um, train them and breed them and uh, just buy and sell. He just loves horses. They're relaxing for him, and it's just one of his passions in life. When you hear him talk, most of his messages at some point are going to come back to talking about his horse in one way or another. But from the time I was a kid. Even till now, my dad came into town yesterday for a funeral, and he went out to the barn, and when he wanted to call his horses up, he does something very simple and very unique. He just whistles to them. But he doesn't whistle just any old way. He makes one unique whistle every time. I'm going to try to do it for you. Think I can? All right. He walks out there, and he grabs his feed bucket, and he rattles it a little bit, and he just whistles. And he says, and then he says, hello, fresh fire. One of his horses that he's had for many years is named Fresh Fire. We named her Fresh Fire because, well, she was born during our Fresh Fire International Women's Conference. So we named her Fresh Fire. And she is a fireball. She's a little, she's a little honorary. I ain't going to lie to you. And, uh, and so he calls them. And all of a sudden, way back in the pasture, I mean way back there, two pastures away, you'll see those horses lift their head up from eating. Because it seems like that's all they do is eat all day. They eat, they eat, and they eat, and they eat, and then they come in and they hear dad whistle and they know that means, hey, no more grass for us today. We're going to get the good stuff. We're going to get some grain. And so they just start meandering and they start walking that way. And here come all of these horses walking. Why? Because they have a history of knowing when they hear that whistle. This certain You can go out there and whistle any way you want to, but until they hear that certain whistle of my father's, they don't move. You could go out there right now and say, hey, you horse, they ain't coming. They're going to look at you like you are crazy and put their head back down eating. But when dad goes out there and whistles, they come and they start walking in. Why? Because they have a history of knowing when they hear that call, food is on the other end. When they hear that call, they're going to get a good dinner tonight. They're not going to get the leftovers. They're going to get the good stuff. And so when Jesus is giving this illustration, he says the shepherd goes in and he gives his unique call. I don't know what their call looks like. I have no idea what a shepherd's call would sound like. I know what my dad does for for his horses. I don't know if a shepherd would grunt at them. I don't know if he hollers at them. I don't know if he yells at them. I don't know if he just says, I don't know. I don't know what he does. Whatever your sound might be, that's what you're, you're the shepherd. You can make it up. And here they would come running. Why? Because they have a history of knowing somehow out of all these hundreds of sheep, just your sheep would come separating and they would come standing before you. And now, as I make my sound, there's 12 sheep standing before me. Pretty interesting, right? Because these sheep had a history of knowing when the shepherd made the call, if they came, 
The shepherd was going to take care of them. The shepherd was going to feed them. The shepherd was going to water them. The shepherd was going to uh, get them in the right place. He was going to make sure that they had all of their needs taken care of. They know his voice. And they listened to his voice. Why the voice? You see, they didn't follow the shepherd's smell. They didn't follow the shepherd's way of walking. They followed his voice. Because when the shepherd would be leading his sheep through the, through the packed uh, streets of a city, they may not be able to see him. They may not know where they're going. But if they could hear their voice, they could get there. And as we go through life, and things get a little congested around us, and it gets a little hard to see and hard to understand where we're going. We get a little lost and left out in the darkness. If we can just hear the voice of our shepherd, we can follow. When it seems hard to see the plan of God, all we've got to do is listen. When we don't know where he's taking us, all we have to do is listen. When the enemy seems to be closing in around us, all we have to do is listen. There's a story from World War I where some Turkish soldiers saw a flock of sheep feeding on a hillside just outside of Jerusalem. And so they went up and they gathered them and they began to steal them and they led them, were leading them off. And about that time, the shepherd woke up and he saw these soldiers leading his sheep and stealing his sheep. And he didn't know how to get them back because he knew he couldn't take them by force. So all he did was made his little sound and he just gave his little call. And when those sheep heard his voice, they turned and scattered from those soldiers and ran. And the soldiers couldn't stop them. And all the sheep went back to the shepherd. When it looks like times of trouble, all we've got to do is listen for the voice of our shepherd. I'm reminded of what David said in the 23rd Psalm. 23rd Psalm is quite possibly the most famous psalm out of all that David wrote. You've probably all heard it before, but I want to read it to you again in the context of knowing the voice of your shepherd. Listen to this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cups run, runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And as for me, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Why? Because I know the voice of my shepherd. He has a history of taking care of me. He has a history of when I need him. He, he, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. We have a, he has a history of when even though I look like I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to fear because when I see his rod and I see his staff, they comfort me knowing that he'll lead me through. You've got to know the voice of your shepherd. Got to know the voice of your shepherd. People, there are many voices in our lives. We are all listening to someone, but not everybody has your best intentions at heart. 
Nobody, not everyone uh, sees good things for you like your shepherd does. Not everyone wants the best for you. There are people who are trying to lead you astray. Jesus said there there are thieves and robbers who are coming over the wall. They're not going through the gatekeeper. They're coming in under the cover of darkness and they don't have your best intention in mind, but they want to steal you away. They want to steal your joy. They want to steal your time, your resources, your energy, your happiness, but not the good shepherd. In a world where we exchange jobs, churches, wives, homes, cars, hair colors, hair in general, at will and at random, don't exchange your God for another God. Don't exchange the voice of your shepherd for another. You see, others will come to you and they will tell you a a story that seems too good to be true. And you know what? It may just be. If they come in under the cover of darkness and they seem to be trying to deceive you, they probably are. You see, I believe that the gatekeeper in my life, the one who allows things to come in and go out, is the Word of God. And if someone comes to me and is trying to convince me something that doesn't line up with this Word, then you came in over the wall, you're a thief and you're a robber, and I'm not going to listen to your voice. The Word of God is the gatekeeper in my life. The Word of God is that thing that I measure everything by and say, are you good or or, or is it wrong? Is it right? Should I go this way or should I not? I encourage you to know the Word of God, to read the Word of God, and to apply it to your life. Allow it to be the gatekeeper to discern whose voice you should be listening to. If someone's voice doesn't line up with this Word, I'm not going to listen. I'm going to keep moving. So I know the voice of my shepherd and I follow him. But I I want you to note something interesting in verse 3 and 4. Notice he says here, the sheep hear his voice. He calls them his his own sheep by name and he leads them out. Verse 4. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. This is very interesting. Because, of, of course, you probably know by now I grew up in the country. My wife... Reminds me of that all the time. My, my, uh, my diction and my language reminds everyone of that all the time. When I, if, you don't, if I don't look country when I start talking, you know pretty quickly I'm from the country and I like it that way. I used to read Louis L'Amour books all of the time. How many of you ever read a Louis L'Amour book? Okay, you have all missed out in your life. Louis L'Amour is one of the greatest writers in American history. He told the story of the Wild West as we uh, transitioned from being just on the eastern seaboard and we began to settle the West. He tells the story of our history, the Sackets and all these gunslingers, and they were always faster than everybody else. The good guy was always faster. It's a wonderful, you should really go and read a Louis L'Amour book. I'm serious. My wife is like, it ain't happening. <laughs> I love you. Ain't happening. <laughs> But I learned a lot because Louis L'Amour has a way of telling history and teaching you things as you're reading this story. And it may be a fictional story, but you're learning so much truth about our history. In those days, cattle was one of the big things that drove our economy. The cattle industry. Cattle ranchers would raise cattle... And then they would go on what you've heard of as a cattle drive. And they would literally drive hundreds or even thousands of cattle, uh, many, many hundreds and thousands of miles until they would get them to the railroad where they would sell them and then ship them back east. And this is the way our economy was driven. 
This is the way much of this area was founded. Much of Texas was founded on these cattle ranches and cattle drives. A very unique uh, difference between cattle and sheep. Cattle are driven. It's a harsh term. It means we're forcing them into a place that they don't really want to go. We're pushing them in a direction that we want them to go, but we're driving them ahead of us. In a cattle drive, the worst place to be, and someone always had to be there, you had to be in the back. It's called riding drag. And you would, you would eat the dust of thousands of cattle walking before you all day long. And that's why cow, uh, cowboys would wear the bandanas. I know we all wear them all around our neck uh, like we're cool or something. They were actually too that they would wear over their face so that they could breathe in clean air uh, and not breathe in the dust. Did you know this? So, but Jesus says, he didn't come in, the good shepherd doesn't come in and drive the sheep, but he leads the sheep. He goes out ahead of the sheep and the sheep follow behind. This is a very important distinction for you and I because as sheep following our good shepherd, you need to know that if he's leading you, it means that he'll never lead you into, into a place that he hasn't already been himself. He's walking ahead of you. We're behind him and he's walking. So now when we remember the story of David and in the 23rd Psalm, he said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. What was the valley of the shadow of death? It was a picture, uh, a word picture that David wrote uh, referring to where they would have canyons or places in valleys where it was a perfect place for ambushes, where the enemy could ambush you, where lions or tigers or uh, bears or wolves could ambush you, thieves, robbers could ambush you or your family or your animals. And so here's what David said, even though I'm walking through a place that looks like the perfect setup for an ambush, I look at my shepherd who's out in front of me, who's already gone before me, and I trust that if he's walking through it everything's going to be okay and then when I see his rod and his staff I know whatever if something does come up he's going to take care of me this is the confidence that we have when we follow the good shepherd I think about how the Bible says that God declared the end from the beginning so he looked at your life all the way to the end and then he went back to the beginning and he declared the whole thing. He gave you everything you needed in your life. He gave you all the gifts, all the talents, everything you needed. He put you in the perfect place to do his will. You've got to know that about your life. When you say, well, my life didn't add up and I didn't have all the things you had, Pastor Randy, you're probably right. But when God looked at your life, he gave you everything that you needed. He knew how it was all going to work out and he gave you what you needed to accomplish his will in your life. Now, here's what else he said to Paul. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. Well, what does that mean? When he looked at your life, he saw every situation where you would need grace. And he planned to have enough grace for you to make it through. God didn't give you a look at you. When I, when I was young, uh, after church on Sunday mornings, I always wanted to go out to eat with my friends. And so I'd say, Dad, I need some money. And he'd give me in care of five bucks a piece. And he'd say, now, you know, bring me my change. You're holding a $5 bill. And, and a kid's meal is four ninety nine, <laughs> and bring you change. But this is what he said every Sunday, bring me my change. He'd give us each five bucks and say, go ahead, but bring me my change. God didn't look at you and just barely give you enough. He's not watching you live your life and say, ooh, don't use too much grace today because you're going to need it later. You're going to run out. No, no, no. 
God looked at you and he gave all the grace you could ever need and more because he already saw your life. And he said, I can tell you with assurance that my grace is sufficient for you because I've already seen the end before the beginning and I gave it to you. So I have confidence in this, that God is my, Jesus is my good shepherd. And when he's walking before me, grace will be there. Comfort will be there. Peace will be there. Joy will be there. If I can just keep following the voice of my shepherd. Can I get an amen this morning? Well, let me find where I'm at on my notes here. Let's go to the second statement that Jesus made. Because now he says, uh, I am the good shepherd. We like that. This is a good deal. But Then he said, I am the door of the sheep. What are you referring to, Jesus? Now he's referring to an out-of-town sheepfold. I've been talking to you about sheepfolds that were in town. Now I want to talk to you about sheepfolds that were out of town. Because he's going to make a little shift here. uh, And he's going to change the picture for us. But it's going to to open up a, a new vein of what Christ has done and wants to do for us. Got a couple of pictures I want to show you. These are some pictures of sheepfolds that were out in the that are out in the country. This is a modern one. Typically in those days the walls would be higher than this, but as you can see, there are walls all the way around. It's like a large stall for, that you might put a horse in. This is a sheepfold out in the middle of a field. This is a stone wall uh, with one opening. Go to the next picture. They would make these walls out of a number of things. This one is made out of uh, trees and limbs and, and things so that animals couldn't get through. Thieves couldn't get over the top without you knowing they were coming in. Uh, so you can see there's one little opening there. Go to the next picture for me. This one is another one made out of mud brick. You can see it's a little bit higher. They would often make these large. They, they often would try to find caves to be able to make a sheepfold out, in the, in the, out of town in a cave so that it was protected on every side. But notice again, there's only one way in or out of this sheepfold. But there's never a gate on it. Did you notice that? Go back to the last picture. One picture before. You see a gate? It's not a trick question. No gates. You see a gate on this one? What do you do? Why do you have all these walls built up but no gate? What good is that going to do? What are we going to keep in or what are we going to keep out if there's no gate? The sheep can just walk out and the, and, the, and the wolves can just walk right in. Here's what they would do. Go to that last picture for me, Joel. If you can see here at the bottom, it's a little dark. Maybe you can see it on this screen. Right here at the bottom... You see the opening, and you see this little dark mass here. Can you guys see that? Can you tell that that's a a man? In an out-of-town sheepfold, the shepherd was literally the door. And he would literally lay his own body down in front of the opening so that he was saying to everyone else, if you want in, you've got to go through me. Now, when we think about Jesus... These two, these two verses don't contradict. Because when he says, I'm the good shepherd, he means I'm the good shepherd. And then when he says, I am the door of the sheep, he literally means, I am the shepherd that is willing to give his life for you and I. And I'm going to say to the world, if you want to get to them, you've got to go through me first. Did you know you have a God like that? 
who says, if you want to get to them, you got to go through me. If you want to get to my sheep, you got to go through me. If you want to cause harm to them, you got to go through me. If you want to steal from them or rob from them or steal their joy or steal their happiness or steal their kids or steal their husbands or their wives, if you want to steal their job, you've got to go through me first. It reminds me of the story of Job when the devil comes to, to, G, to God and they're having this conversation and, and God says, have you considered my son Job? And he says, you have this hedge around them. I can't get through because you're blocking it. And the only way that the devil could get to Job was when God actually moved himself out of the way and says, okay, I'll let you get in for a moment. That's what Jesus wants to be for you. I'll lay out my life. You're not coming in without me saying so. You're not going to get through unless I say you can get through. You're not going to be able to harm my sheep in any way unless I allow it. As long as the sheep stay on that side of the pen, they're okay. But when a sheep wanders out, when he goes out the opening, when he jumps over the shepherd and makes his way out into the open pastures, he's outside of his protection. He's outside of his covering. He's outside of his security. He's outside of what the shepherd can do to take care of him. And the sheep is on his own. You don't have to live your life that way. But Christ wants to protect you. Why do we have to be so careful? Because in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Peter writes, Be sober and be vigilant. For your adversary, the devil, walks around as a roaring lion, lion seeking whom he may devour. The devil is out to get you, but he, you don't have to let him win. I want Jesus to be my door because he'll keep out the enemy. And when I enter by him, I'll be saved. I'll find pasture. I'll have life, and I'll have it more abundantly. These are the great benefits of having him as my door. So how do I stay alert? How do I watch? How do I stay in the protect, protection? Well, first of all, I've got to find myself regularly, regularly in the presence of my shepherd. When, his, when he calls and we're out on the countryside and he, I hear his voice, I've got to come running and I've got to get inside. If I want him to protect me, I've got to spend time in his presence. If you want Jesus to be your protector, to be your shepherd, you've got to spend time in his presence. You've got to spend time worshiping. You've got to spend time praying. You've got to spend time reading your word. Spend time in the presence of God. Secondly, remember that the, the door was actually the body of the shepherd. This points to the Eucharist or the body of Christ that was broken for us on Calvary. It's about to happen just in the next few pages of, of, of John here. Because Jesus is saying, listen, stay in covenant with me. When you partake of the, uh, of the broken body and the, bro and the blood of Christ, when you, when you do that and you take, partake of communion, you're entering into covenant with your Savior. And so here's what Jesus is saying. Stay in covenant with me. Don't break covenant. When it looks hard and when it looks tough, stay in covenant with me. When it looks good, stay in covenant with me. When everything's going right, stay in covenant with me. Don't break covenant. Amen? Amen. And then finally, you've got to stay behind the wall. I believe that the church can be that wall. I believe the church is a, is a part of God's plan to protect his sheep, to protect his fold, to protect his flock. I believe that the church of Jesus Christ is part of that plan. He built these things as, he built us as a wall. He built us to keep things safe and, and keep the devil out. 
The church can be a way of protecting you. Having a church family that you are actively a part, actively a part of gives you strength and security. Find a church home and get connected. So how do we receive these benefits? In verse 14, he says uh, that we have to know him. My sheep, are, I am known by my sheep. Do you know your shepherd? Do you recognize his voice? Secondly, he says in verse 14, I know my sheep. Are you known by your shepherd? Can he call you by name? Have you spent enough time with him? That he knows things about you and he knows your life and you know him. Is there a relationship there? In verse 26 he says, but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. The third thing that we have to do is we have to believe. Remember that believing is fundamental to being a sheep. We learned a few weeks ago that God is in the believing business. Verse 37 and verse 38 he says, I do works so that you believe. Do you believe? Do you believe that he's a good shepherd? Do you believe that if you follow him, he'll lead you and guide you into green pastures, into good places, into health, into happiness, into life and life more abundantly? You've got to believe. Fourthly, you've got to know his voice. My sheep hear my voice, he said. Do you recognize his unique calling? Do you respond when he's talking to you? And then finally in verse 27, he said, he said, and they follow me. He's leading. All we have to do is follow. All we have to do is keep following that voice. But when our shepherd stops, do we get upset? We wonder why he's not moving anymore. We want to go on without him. Well, maybe we should ask why has he stopped? Is it because for some reason... He's leading us beside still waters so that we can be replenished. Is he wanting to you, you to rest in green pastures? You see, he's a good shepherd and he knows what you need in your life. Maybe you need nourishment. Maybe you need rest. Is the devil, the, the roaring lion, waiting just around the corner to attack you and God has stopped because he wants to expose the attack of the enemy, but we keep on plowing through and then blame God for getting ourselves caught into a trap? When our shepherd stops, we stop. When our shepherd moves, we move. I want to challenge you today to know God, to be known by Him, to believe in Him, to hear His voice, and to commit yourself to follow all the days of your life. Make sure you're following the right voice. In verse 5, He said, Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from Him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. I want to be a follower of the good shepherd. How about you? He's the door that allows us to have life. He's the door that protects us. Would you follow him? You may close your Bibles at this time.